Good morning, afternoon, or evening, and welcome back to One Guy, One Roll. As always, I am your host, player, and GM, Hero Cities. It's hard to believe that we're already recording episode number five of Iron Sworn Star Forged, where we are following the story of Nikora Sokolov. As usual, before we jump on into play, we'll do a quick recap of what happened last episode. For those of you who remember, Nikor is inside of the space station Prosperity attempting to locate some sort of memory core unit for Creed, whom he had uh, sworn the first of his uh, iron vows to as part of our background setup during episode one. However, everything isn't quite exactly as it should be on Prosperity. Something has happened that has caused the environmental system to go haywire and the air filtration systems or whatever. Something happened and there's no longer any heat or oxygen or any atmosphere of any kind available on the space station itself. It also appears that Nikora is not alone on board this spaceship for when entering into the trading center level of the space station which is where people come to do business with the space station. Uh, they decree, or they go down to the surface of the planet that they're orbiting, which is this big ice planet called Cicero. They collect ice from these massive spires that come out of the planet, bring it back up to prosperity, and refine it into water, which can then be shipped all around the forge from here with various merchant ships. Upon entering this section of the space station that is reserved for visiting traders and merchants. The core discovered that whoever had been here previously created some sort of barricade or some sort of defensive guard station in order to, for some reason, we actually never really discovered why, and upon further discovery and exploration of the room, he was taken unaware by a seemingly crazy deranged man who was running out of oxygen and whose name was Crazy Eye Jones. Unfortunately, despite some rudimentary attempts to defuse the situation and avoid any potential bloodshed, Crazy Eye was too far gone and Nikora had to draw his uh, little shotgun called Stubby and blasted away Crazy Eye Jones in self-defense. As I mentioned at the end of the last episode, I think that kind of resolved our first scenes aboard the Prosperity. I feel like we have kind of have some sort of an understanding about what's going on. We've entered the spaceship. We've had our first encounter. So now it's time to finalize the ending of that scene. It's starting to feel to me like things are getting a little out of control aboard the space station. So even though Nikora was successful in his encounter during crazy eye i do think the chaos factor is going up to five because it's not really a, like a measure of how well your character is doing but how well they control the the situation the scenario the scene of what's going on and things are really starting to feel like nikora has no control over his environment over what's occurring aboard the prosperity so that does bring our chaos factor back up to five which is just baseline for the mythic gm emulator Beyond that, we do have a couple of clocks that are ticking away in the background. One of them I have not quite revealed yet. However, I think it's kind of more interesting if we roll on a chart in order to see if these clocks actually advance or not. And I think our secret clock, I think it's 50-50 whether or not that clock advances. We got a 36, which is a yes, so the clock does advance. 
I will say it's a six-sided clock and two of the six pieces are currently filled in. Now, the publicly known clock is the amount of O2 that is available and left in Nikora's O2 tanks that he's carrying around on his back in his environmental suit. I think since there was a altercation of, of violence and definitely heavier breathing and all that stuff and, you know, sucking down more oxygen is certainly going to accelerate the potential. So I think it is likely that Nikoro has depleted more of the oxygen out of his tanks. Let's see. 30. So 30 is a yes. So he has depleted more, bringing us once again, same as our other tracker, that gives us two out of six pieces filled on uh, that specific tracker. And lastly, since it is a new scene, we need to uh, check to see if there's some kind of altercation to the setup of our scene here. So we roll a d10 versus our chaos, which is five. We got a three, which is um, lower than our chaos rating. Therefore, there is some sort of modification to the scene. Let's take a look. Since we rolled an odd number, the setup scene or the scene setup is modified into an altered scene as opposed to interrupted. Therefore, an altered scene use logic to figure out how. Or, of course, you can also roll on an oracle or the uh, yes-no table, fate chart, any of that kind of stuff. I think we're going to use the Mythic GM emulator's action and subject tables to try and get an idea of what exactly is altering this scene. So for action, we rolled a 39, which is bestow. And for subject, we rolled a 63, which is power. Bestow power. Does that involve the fact that the station doesn't have power, or is it something that gives Nikora power? I don't know. I think this is going to require a roll on the uh, fate chart. And I have an idea that I think is um, very likely. I'm going to roll and see. Got an 85, which is a yes. Barely a yes. I'm going to keep the exact nature of what that role was a secret for now, but it will absolutely come out early on and play this session. Well, with that housekeeping out of the way, let's get into it. The opening of this episode begins with the camera focused on the dead corpse of Crazy Eye Jones with Nikora in the background walking down the hallway towards where all these closed doors are leading off to other sections of the traitor's zone area. Nikora stops in front of the first door at the, near the uh, end of the hall and looks up at the sign which reads, Kitchen, grumbling to himself, while despite how hungry I am, doesn't matter because everything's either going to be frozen and I'm stuck in this damn spacesuit until managed to get some oxygen back anyways. Moving on from the kitchen, he goes down to the next door. Quarters. So this is clearly the uh, bunk area where, this, where the uh, folks who are here to trade expected to be. Obviously, they're going to be of a communal nature. I'm um, thinking they probably like, and uh, well, let's find out when we open the door. So Nakora puts his hand uh, on the door, and I think that they probably normally kind of telescope open and closed, you know, like classic sci-fi, thinking like alien doors, how they kind of open in the middle and telescope open. Um, I don't know if that's the right word or not, but going to use it. And obviously with the power off, there's that's not really happening, but I think kind of like the... Um, 
access into this uh, trade center. There is a uh, like hand pump where you can kind of pump the door open manually yourself. Since there's not really any uh, danger or potential complication for Nikor now, I think he just start. He puts his hand on the lever for the hydraulic pump and starts opening it and opening it, pumping it. It clearly doesn't take as much um, energy or power or strength as it did for the big bulky elevator door. And I think it just takes a couple of pumps which undo the lock and then it slightly opens and you can kind of wedge your fingers in and just push it open the rest of the way. What does Nikoro see on the other side? So uh, as he opens up this door on the inside, it's dark, of course, like everywhere else in the station, and he has his little shoulder-mounted light as it illuminates the inside of the building. The first thing Nikoro sees on the ground is just blood. It's this smear of blood leading back deeper into the, into the inky darkness of this now thoroughly creepy bunk area. You can see the stacked bunk beds probably eight of them four on each uh four on each side two sets and um it's like lockers on the floor for personal effects and items probably uh like a small table in the middle where there's a a half finished game of cards and maybe a plate of, of frozen food however obviously this blood trail is the most distressing part and as his little shoulder mounted light shines across the room he's not seen any bodies however he does notice well let's see if he notices actually let's gather some information which in this case our uh, scavenger perk is not going to help us because we're not scavenging the um a wreck ruin or abandoned site we're instead just trying to potentially figure out what might be going on in here when you search for clues, conduct an investigation, analyze evidence, or do research, roll plus wits, which for us is a plus three. Once again, I rolled the wrong dice, so let's try that again. Keep rolling for oracles instead of uh, the proper dice here. Okay, so on our action dice, we rolled a two, which is a five, and on our challenge dice, we had a one and a nine, so that's a weak hit. On a weak hit, the information provides a new insight, but also complicates your quest. Envision what you discover, then take plus one momentum. That brings our momentum up to a plus four, which I'm happy with. So what do we uncover? Well, first off, I think it's uh, clearly obvious to Nikoro. After looking at the uh, various bunks, I think two of them are bloodstained. And the blood from these bunks is obviously frozen, just like everything else in the station. But you can see a faint streak of blood where something has been drugged from these bunks into another doorway at the back end of the bunk. As well as a stack of empty oxygen tanks in the corner of the bunk room. I think that's probably the most telling thing of all. And putting it together before he even has to go back into the other doorway at the end of the hall, or at the end of the bunk room, rather. It's clear, at least in Nikora's mind, that Crazy Eye Jones killed people here and stole their oxygen tanks in order to survive himself. Shuddering to himself and not really wanting to, but knowing he has to at least go beyond into the door and verify what he expects is true. Nikoro reaches his hand out onto the door and opens it slowly, and in front of him is a grisly scene. There are three bodies just haphazardly disposed of in this room, with absolutely no sense of honor or respect for the dead. Two of them were clearly stabbed in the back. 
whether asleep or whatnot, while the other one had a sla- has a slashed throat where there's clearly frozen dried blood down the front of this man who clearly bled out after having his throat slit, whereby one could only expect or suspect is crazy-eyed. Now, as a result of our weak hit on our uh, gather information roll, I do think that as Nakoro kind of briefly looks over the bodies, he shines his light up and written onto the back door leading out from uh, this little bathroom here at the end of the bunk room is written in what must have been written by somebody with a shaking hand in um, like chalk. It reads, leave my loneliness unbroken. Leave my loneliness unbroken. My loneliness is unbroken. And while Nikora certainly is not a soft man and he's seen his fair share of unfortunate scenes and distressing stuff like this in the past, I don't think he's ever quite seen a haunting or haunted and grizzled scene quite like this. So I do think, unfortunately, that we are going to have to make a sufferer move here against spirit, of course. So in dear stress, when you face mental strain, shock, or despair, suffer minus one spirit for minor stress, which is exactly like this is. That does bring our spirit down to three. I think that this, the darkness, the oppressive nature of this place, the silence, the the grisly scene in front of him is shaking Nakora a little bit. He's still okay, you know, he still has three of his five spirit, but he's not going to be cracking jokes anytime soon. And, um... Yeah, I don't think, or actually, maybe we will. I think that Coral looks up at the the scene above him, and he has at at least resolved this situation, having functionally killed the the murderer. You know, he shot him with his shotgun. Uh, He's resolved this whole distressing scene. He's going to attempt to resist this stress. Using spirit or heart, we will use our spirit, which is now three. We rolled a six, which plus three is nine. And on our challenge dice, we got a nine and a one, which gives us a weak hit. On a weak hit, if you are not shaken, you may lose momentum minus one in exchange for one spirit. I think we're going to take that. So that'll bring our momentum down to three and our spirit up to back up to four. So obviously there's no way for Nikoro to provide a burial or anything for uh, these murdered folks, but I do think that taking extra time, therefore the momentum, he will pull out the bodies, lay them out in the hallway, kind of position them a little more respectfully than just in a pile in the back of a bathroom. Even takes Crazy Eye's body, lays it alongside of them. And in doing so is when he notices something interesting on one of the bodies this person which you can still see through the uh, uh their mask was one of the, the people who was stabbed in the back and besides a trickle of blood out of the corner of her mouth there's an older lady maybe in her late 50s and you can tell just uh through the mask that she was wearing a very a very nice necklace and jewelry and obviously if you've been in a side of a spacesuit for a, a while you're not going to have the best of hygiene or the best of uh, looks, but she's very well put together. And on the body, uh, Nikoro sees a uh, patch that has been um, attached to the outside of her environmental suit. This patch uh, along the top says uh, FMU in big letters, and below that reads in very fine font, 
Federation of Merchant Unions. And then below that, it has a picture of kind of like like a, a classic kind of cheesy bank robber bag of gold being exchanged between two hands. And then below that reads Master Luna Jemison. This is our first real interaction with the unions of this world, also known as guilds. I've changed them a little bit since Session Zero's by making them called unions, um, and then unofficially they're called guilds between everybody. So clearly she's a member of what's known as the, the Trading Guild or Merchants Guild, called the Federation of Merchant Unions, or the FMU. I suspect that Nikora has probably interacted with their representatives before, but he's obviously not a member of the guild, and he doesn't really have any contacts within it, especially uh, no one that is higher end. And if this lady is a master, it means that she was likely the captain of whatever merchant ship was docked with the station before the events went down. I do think that Nikora is smart enough to know that the unions would likely pay information or be interested at the very least in the whereabouts of one of their masters and what happened to her, especially if she was one of the ship captains that are lost. So I think uh, that Nikora draws out his knife, which is part of his little tool belt full of various useful tools, and cuts off the badge or the the patch off of her suit and and puts it in uh in his satchel on his belt after finishing his um grisly task of taking care of the bodies of the um of the merchant crew who was here i think uh nikora kind of looks back at the other two doors in the down at the end of the hallway and debates whether or not he actually wants to investigate inside of them after dealing with this situation at the very least, he will take a look at the doors leading into them and see what exactly these rooms are. One is labeled uh, showers, and the other is labeled entertainment. Neither of these two rooms see, uh, seem especially interesting to Nikoro. So uh, having reached the end of his exploration of this trade center, he turns back around and heads back towards the elevator shaft. I think now it's probably been two, three, maybe four hours, probably about four hours since he started his exploration of the um, prosperity. And he's beginning to feel a little bit run down and tired, although I don't think he's quite ready to head back to his own ship or abandon the, uh, the quest. So after trying once again to unsuccessfully get a hold of uh, Chance on board the second Chance to get an update on the ship, he pokes his head back into the elevator shaft and uh, looks up. Now, the question is, what is there? Is is that is this as high as he can go? Because the elevator has to be parked somewhere. Obviously, the shaft will continue up quite a ways beyond here with different parts of the ship, but is it blocked? I'm not entirely sure, honestly. So I'm going to give it a 50-50 chance. Our question is, is the elevator blocking our access to the next floor? We got a 22. Yes. So the elevator, as he looks up and in just at the edge of his light, he can make out the bottom of a platform or of, a, of, a, of, a, of the elevator up above him. Now, a better question is, what happens now? When we rolled for setting up the scene, if you remember, we uh, got an altered scene. And in that altered scene, I rolled bestow power. First, I thought maybe there was a way to uh, restart the power system from the last room. However, 
Now that we have decided that the elevator is blocking access above this location, I do think that it has left just enough room for access to some sort of maintenance or, or ventilation shaft in the actual elevator shaft itself. However, our complication is that it's on the opposite side of the shaft from where this ladder runs. I know, classic sci-fi ship design where stuff is completely inconveniently placed, but that's the situation and that's the scenario. That's where we're at right now. However, logically, if it's a maintenance shaft, it probably eventually leads to an air filtration system or at least some kind of maintenance room maybe even the maintenance level of the ship itself, where we might be able to reestablish power and uh, figure out exactly what's going on aboard the station. The ventilation fan on the opposite side of the elevator shaft from where uh, the ladder is, is going to be challenging. And I think that it's likely that Nikoro would have some kind of, not grappling hook like a medieval grappling hook, but I'm thinking like, a carabiner with a certain length of, of wire, basically, that would attach to his belt, which he could hook, um, kind of like a, like a roofer, you know, would, would have an anchor point on a roof and attached with a harness and that kind of stuff. I think that Nikoro's uh, utility belt itself would work as like a climbing harness of sorts, at least good enough. And that would have a little spool of wire with a carabiner attached to it that he could clip onto stuff. And I think that the bottom of the elevator would be the perfect place for him to find an anchor point and then more or less swing over to the other side of the shaft where the uh, ventilation fan is located and gain access into the ventilation system. This is, however, uh, going to require a roll to check our gear I think just having this utility belt full of different tools used for scavenging is great, but I think unless it's something very rudimentary, generally speaking, uh, we're going to have to roll the check to see if the specific item we need is on our belt. We roll plus supply, which is currently at five. On our uh, action dice, we rolled a one, which is a six. On our challenge dice, we had a seven and a four. Therefore, we had a weak hit. On a weak hit, you have it, but choose one. Your supply is diminished, sacrifice resources minus one, or it's not quite right and causes a complication or delay. I think we have the tool, and we're going to take uh, sacrifice resources. Sacrifice resources. When you uh, lose or consume resources, suffer minus one, minus two, or minus three. Um, it said minus one for the move. So that'll bring our supply from five down to four. I think that this um, this move is just showing us slowly working through uh, all of the supplies we brought with us. He's not necessarily a wealthy man, actually. In fact, one might say he's almost poor. So just having this tool alone is uh, abstracted out as us having less supply because we had bought this or built this particular item previously before we even got involved in this scenario. So back in the elevator shaft, Nikora reaches down to this belt he wears full of different types of tools, like spanners, you know, uh, like a knife, and satchel full of miscellaneous bolts and fittings and other things like that. As well as uh, attached to the front of the belt is this little box which is full of a spool of wire and a, and a carabiner that can be used to be clipped onto something. So getting up to the top of the ladder, uh, Nikora is going to attempt to attach this carabiner 
to a sturdy point on the bottom of the elevator and attempt to use it to swing across over to where the ventilation fan is located. So I think that the beginning of this is going to be uh, securing an advantage. He's going to take an extra moment to be really certain and careful that he's attaching this carabiner to the bottom of this elevator in a uh, in a good location. I think there's a lot of kind of fittings and pipes and jagged edges and a lot of stuff that might make for a bad spot to attach to an industrial elevator, you know, in a rather industrial spaceship or space station rather. So let's see, secure an advantage. When you assess a situation, make preparations or attempt to gain leverage, envision your action and roll. I'm debating whether it's an edge or a wits roll. And since this is something that doesn't require speed or even necessarily agility, I think this uh, advantage he's trying to secure is definitely with expertise. He's using his knowledge of engineering and mechanics in order to find a good place to attach his uh, carabiner. So that's going to be plus wits, which for us is a three. On the action dice, we got a four, which is a seven. And on our challenge dice, we had a four and a two. So we had a strong hit, which on a strong hit, take both. That's going to be plus two momentum, which brings us up to plus five. And we get a plus one uh, forward, so on our next move which is fantastic because our next move is going to be uh, facing danger as we attempt to use our little kind of, I guess, Batman spool looking thing to swing. This sounds like a terrible idea, as I said out loud, to swing across the open elevator shaft to the other side and lower ourselves at the same time down to the fan. Now, this is definitely dangerous because as we've established, we're probably four or five stories up right now. So like uh, 50 or 60 feet down to the bottom of the elevator shaft is definitely far enough to, if not severely injure us, then kill us. So face danger. When you attempt something risky or react to an imminent threat, envision your action and roll. We've already envisioned our action, and this one is going to be with speed, mobility, or agility, because we need to uh, just (laughs) do this Nathan Drake from Uncharted almost level of Indiana Jones bullshit. Well, let's roll for it. This is uh, the biggest roll of the episode, I think. So we were rolling with uh, edge, which is a plus two. Then we had that plus one going forward, which gives us a four. We rolled a one on our action dice and our um, challenge dice was an eight and a four. That is a miss, even with that plus one going forward. However, luckily, we have a plus five momentum and we will burn said momentum to change that miss into a weak hit instead. So on a weak hit, you succeed, but not without cost. Make a suffer move minus one. So we are successful in swinging across this open elevator shaft towards the um, ventilation fan on the far side. What kind of cost is this for us? I'm thinking uh, it's in deer harm as we uh, launch ourselves off of the ladder area using the rungs for leverage. I think we get more than enough power. I mean, as previously established, 
Nakora is this big kind of roughneck guy. He's got a, a quite a bit of strength, and I think he overestimates uh, the amount he needs in order to make it to the other side as he shoves off the ladder and goes swinging across the elevator shaft and smashes into the far wall. So as per the uh, face danger move, we will suffer a minus one health and uh, we're not going to try and resist this harm. We'll just take it as we smash into the far wall and, you know, bracing himself on his arm, you know, hear a pop maybe out of his shoulder and, you know, you see a grimace on his face and, fuck, that hurt. Luckily, nothing is broken and there's no serious injury, but we are now a little bit injured, which actually brings all of our tracks to four. Our health, spirit, and supply are all at four, and our momentum is only at two. This does uh, start to leave us in a little bit of a dangerous situation, depending on what is occurring in the fiction. However, we were successful, and smashing into the far wall and lowering himself down, we are now in front of this uh, uh, this air shaft fan, which is, of course, not running because there's no air to circulate and uh the power is off to the station however shining his light in through the grate and there's this big fan maybe uh maybe like a five foot tall ventilation shaft which uh would obviously require either to be stooped over or crawl through maybe in order to fit i don't think there's any problem for uh nikor to remove the grating on the fan so takes out a multi-tool which he has on his belt unscrews the fan plating pries it off and uh, disposes of it down the elevator shaft where it falls for a couple seconds, clattering off down silently, I guess, because there's no air into the darkness laying down at the bottom of the shaft. With the uh, plate out of the way, Nikora kind of gets a better look down the shaft, which uh, just kind of goes off into the darkness. Finally, gritting his teeth and holding his shoulder a little bit gingerly, he manages to uh, maneuver the uh, the big fan enough out of the way so he can kind of squeeze and crawl and force his way into the ele- um, into the ventilation shafts of the space station. And with that, we are going to bring this episode of One Guy, One Roll to an end. I hope that you enjoyed uh, listening once again to the uh, story and uh, exploits of Nikora Soklov as we play Iron Sworn Starforged here on One Guy, One Roll. As always, I appreciate all of your support and listening and feedback to the show. Once again, I have been Hero Cities, signing off. Have a great day and stay safe out there, y'all.